Oh, good morning. Uh, it's good to be with you this morning. Uh, if you're new with us, my name is Ryan. I serve here as one of the pastors and just want to welcome you. Uh, let you know that we're really grateful that you're here with us this morning. You chose to be with us today. Um, if you are new with us, we have been walking through a series in the book of Genesis. And so this morning we're in Genesis chapter 40. And if you're new and you don't have a Bible, we would love to give one to you. If you didn't get one of these on your way in, there's some hardback black ones on that table back there. Um, go grab one of those and keep that. That's our gift to you uh, as a church. But uh, specifically right now, we have been looking at the life of Joseph in the book uh, of Genesis. And so Joseph is the favored son, the favorite son of his father. He has 11 other brothers, and uh, they despise him for this. They are jealous of this. And so when Joseph was 17 years old, they threw him into a pit and then sold him into slavery. Uh, last week we saw that Joseph uh, ends up in Egypt and he's a slave for Potiphar. Potiphar is the captain of the Pharaoh, the king of Egypt's army. Uh, and Joseph rises up to second in command in Potiphar's house. But Potiphar's wife unjustly and falsely accuses him. Uh, and so he's thrown into prison. Uh, and this is where he'll be when we both start chapter 40 and end chapter 40 this morning. He's still going to be uh, in the prison and in the pit. And so as we walk through this chapter, Joseph's really going to give us a model uh, and going to help us see how we suffer well uh, when the suffering doesn't stop, uh, how we continue to endure and, and trust God and suffer faithfully even when the suffering uh, does not seem to quit. And so let's look at this together. Uh, Genesis chapter 40, we're going to read through the entire chapter, starting in verse 1, the very word of God to us today, it speaks to us like this. It says, sometime after this, the cupbearer of the king of Egypt and his baker committed an offense against their lord, the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh was angry with his two officers, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker. And he put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the prison where Joseph was confined. The captain of the guard appointed Joseph to be with them, and he attended them. They continued for some time in custody. And one night they both dreamed, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were confined in the prison, each his own dream, and each dream with its own interpretation. When Joseph came to them in the morning, he saw that they were troubled. So he asked Pharaoh's officers who were with him in custody in his master's house, why are your faces downcast today? They said to him, we have had dreams and there's no one to interpret them. And Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to God? Please tell them to me. So the chief cupbearer told his dream to Joseph and said to him, in my dream there was a vine before me, and on the vine there were three branches. As soon as it budded, its blossoms shot forth and the clusters ripened into grapes. Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes and pressed them into Pharaoh's cup and placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. Then Joseph said to him, this is its interpretation. The three branches are three days. In three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your office, and you shall place Pharaoh's cup in his hand as formerly when you were his cupbearer. Only remember me when it is well with you, and please do me the kindness to mention me to Pharaoh, and so get me out of this house. For I was indeed stolen out of the land of the Hebrews, and here also I have done nothing that they should put me into the pit. When the chief baker saw that the interpretation was favorable, he said to Joseph, I also had a dream. There were three cake baskets on my head, and in the uppermost basket there were all sorts of baked food for Pharaoh, 
but the birds were eating it out of the basket on my head. And Joseph answered and said, this is its interpretation. The three baskets are three days. In three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head from you and hang you on a tree, and the birds will eat the flesh from you. On the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, he made a feast for all his servants and lifted up the head of the chief cupbearer and the head of the chief baker among his servants. He restored the chief cupbearer to his position, and he placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. But he hanged the chief baker as Joseph had interpreted to them. Yet the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. So when we left off chapter 39 last week, Joseph had been put into the prison after being falsely accused by Potiphar's wife, but God was with Joseph in the prison, and he blessed him, and he gave him favor, and so Joseph has risen up to really be uh, kind of the keeper of the prison, the guard of all the other prisoners, even though he's still a prisoner himself. And so chapter 40 tells us that after some time has passed with Joseph in the prison, uh, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker of Pharaoh both commit an offense. They sin against Pharaoh in some way. Uh, And we're not told exactly how they sin against Pharaoh, but I think we can take an educated guess. Uh, So the chief cupbearer would have been the person that would have tasted the wine for Pharaoh before Pharaoh had it to make sure that it wasn't poison. Now, unfortunately, during this time, the only way you could figure out if it was poison was if you got sick or if you dropped dead. Uh, So not the best job in the world, but it is a really high and important job in the kingdom. Uh, The chief baker would have been the person that oversaw all of Pharaoh's food, everything that he ate. Uh, And so this is a guess, like this is not Bible, this is my guess, but my guess is what happened is that Pharaoh got wind of a plot to poison him, and whether these two were in on it and instigated it, uh, no matter what, they had the responsibility to make sure something like that didn't happen, and and so Pharaoh has both of them thrown into the prison. Uh, But he doesn't just put them in any prison, they're put in the prison where Joseph is confined, where Joseph is a prisoner, and Joseph is appointed to be the one that attends to these two prisoners, to these two important men. And so after some time passes, both of these men have a dream on the same night, uh, and they wake up troubled in the morning, and Joseph notices this, and he says, hey, why are you guys so upset? Like, what's got you down today? And before we go any further, I just want to pause here and point out, like, Do you notice how Joseph is still continuing to notice and care for others even when he's continuing to suffer himself? Like, listen, I know for myself, I'm a pretty big diva, and so the first time any sort of inconvenience or hardship comes into my life, I'm always like, God, why me? Why are you making me go through with this? And God's like, dude, it's a cold. You're going to be fine tomorrow. It's really okay. Like, calm down a little bit. Uh, But But it is really easy to just kind of turn in on myself and completely forget about others uh, when I suffer. Like suffering really easily can make us selfish, but that's not what we see with Joseph here, right? He's been suffering unjustly for years, and yet he's still attentive enough to care about these men and notice when something is off with them. And he cares enough about them to ask them about this, to wonder about this. He's continuing to serve them well, even as he continues to suffer himself. How does he do that? Well, I think he does it by trusting the promises of God. Think about it. 
Genesis 37 tells us that Joseph was 17 years old when his brother sold him into slavery. Next chapter, we're going to find out that two years after this point, he's 30 years old. And so right here in chapter 40, at this point, he is 28 years old. And so for the past 11 years, he has been a slave, and he's probably spent many of those years in prison. How easy would it have been for Joseph to hear these two men say, we had dreams and we don't have anybody that can interpret them, and for him to respond, who cares? I had dreams that I thought were from God, but those have turned out to nothing. Like, I thought that my brothers were going to bow down to me, but but none of that has come to pass, and I'm stuck here in the pit. God didn't keep his promise to me. Why would he keep his promise to you? This, prom- this dream, they weren't from God. This must have just been a bad burrito. But he doesn't say that, does he? He, he interprets their dreams. And I think him even interpreting their dreams and saying God is the one who can give the interpretation and taking this step, I think this is evidence that he hasn't given up on his dream on the dream that God promised to him. He is trusting that somehow, some way, the God who was faithful to his fathers is going to be faithful to him, is going to make the dream that he gave to Joseph come to pass, even though there's no reason to believe that and see that while he's down here in the pit. And so he asked these two men, he says, hey, uh, tell me your dream. Uh, the, what's wrong with you? And they say, well, we had dreams. There's nobody to interpret them. And he says, well, God can interpret your dreams. Why don't you tell them to me, uh, and I'll see if he will interpret them, and he'll give us an answer. And so the chief cupbearer goes first and tells Joseph his dream, and he says, I dreamed uh, that I had, uh, I, w- I saw a vine, and on this vine, three branches budded and eventually brought forth clusters of grapes, and I pressed these grapes into a cup, and then I gave them to the Pharaoh uh, and served it to him. And so Joseph interprets this dream for him, and he says the three branches mean three days. In three days, the Pharaoh is going to restore you to your position. You're going to be his cupbearer again and serve him just like you used to. And Joseph says, when this happens, when this takes place, please remember me and tell me, talk to me, uh, talk about Pharaoh to me and tell him what happened. I'm in here unjustly. I was sold into slavery unjustly. And even here, I haven't done anything deserving to be put into this prison. Please remember me. Don't forget about me and tell Pharaoh about me when this dream comes true. And so the chief baker, uh, he hears the interpretation that Joseph gives to the cupbearer. And he's like, that's a pretty good interpretation. I wonder what my dream means. And so he asks Joseph, hey, what, what does my dream mean? And, and he tells Joseph his dream. He says, I dreamed that there was three baskets of food for Pharaoh on my head, but I had all these birds eating uh, the food out of the baskets on my head. And Joseph gives him his interpretation and gives him a little twist with it as well. He says, your dream also means three days. And in three days, Pharaoh's also going to lift up your head, except he's going to take it off of you. Uh, he's going to hang you and make you bird food. Not great, right? Like, that's not what you want to hear. I I imagine that's a pretty rough three-day wait for the baker wondering if this really is going to come to pass. Now, before we go further, I think we probably need to answer the question that I would imagine most of us have when we read a text like this, which is, like, Is this normal for us? Is Joseph's ability to interpret dreams and is God speaking to people through dreams? Should we expect that today? Should we seek that today? Well, a few things. One, I think it is clear that God still speaks to people through dreams today. 
Uh, there is story after story after story coming out of predominantly Muslim context where somebody who's a Muslim will have a dream, and in this dream, somebody will tell them to go to this place and talk to this person. They'll uh, see what this person is dressed like, this person they've never met before in their dream, and in this dream, that person will tell them, hey, they're going to tell you about Jesus, and so they'll wake up, they'll go to this place, they'll meet this person they've never met before, exactly as it was in the dream, that person will tell them about Jesus, and they'll get saved. Like, there are hundreds of stories uh, coming out like this. And, and so I think it is clear that God speaks through dreams, but it also seems like these things happen more frequently in places where there's less access to the gospel and less access to the Bible. Uh, and I, I think that would make sense. Like, even here, Joseph doesn't have access to a Bible. The Bible is not done uh, being written yet. And so in our context, when we do have a ton of access to the gospel and a ton of access to the Bible, I think we should be much slower to try to interpret our dreams as words from God. Like, yeah, maybe God is trying to speak to you, but, but maybe the Taco Bell that you had for dinner last night is acting up, and that's what's speaking to you. Like, in a context like this, I think we should be open to the idea that God speaks through dreams and speaks to people and still uses these things, but we should be quick to look to our Bibles for ourselves for a word from God. Because, man, so many of us are so quick to look to dreams and to look to prophecies and to ask God to speak to us when he's already given us a really big book full of lots of words from God that we know are revelation from God. Like, we know he has spoken to us here. And so, yes, keep the category open, but let's be quick to look to our Bibles for a word from God. But, but Joseph interprets these dreams, and uh, the end of the chapter tells us that it happens exactly as he interpreted it. Three days after this, Pharaoh uh, throws his birthday party, uh, throws a birthday party for himself, and he raises up the cupbearer and the baker. He brings them out of prison, he lifts up their head, he restores the cupbearer to his position, and he hangs the baker uh, on his birthday. So it happens just as Joseph said it would, just as he interpreted but notice again, verse 23 tells us that after all of this, the cupbearer did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. I mean, imagine being Joseph as you wait day after day after day and no word of release comes. Day after day after day until finally you realize, oh my gosh, he forgot about me. Like he completely forgot about me. I'm not getting out of this pit. Surely Joseph had to get his hopes up like, yeah, these guys' dreams came true. It happened just as God said it would. Maybe that means that God's going to bring my dream to pass now, only to realize that he's going to continue to suffer in this pit with no end date in sight. And, and listen, I know, I know that so many of you are no stranger to this, no stranger to suffering that seems like it has no end date in sight. Many of you wrestle with, with chronic pain that you just seem to get no answers for or, or the answers that it's just not going to go away. And many of you endure being misunderstood by or have a broken relationship with a friend or a relative and, and after so long you just wonder if it's ever going to be reconcilable. And some of you are, are in just an awful work or home situation that you really don't see the light at the end of the tunnel for. I know some of you have a spouse that's deployed and there, there's really no answers and it just feels like your life is kind of in a holding pattern and you don't know what else to do next. And 
many of us are walking through things like this, that suffering that just does not seem to quit with no answers as to when it's going to end, and this is where Joseph is at. Joseph is continuing to suffer with no answers, with no end date inside, and yet he's still clinging to hope in God. How do we know? Well, next chapter, we'll see that when he's raised up into power, uh, he gets a wife and he has two sons, and, and he names these sons Manasseh and Ephraim, uh, which sounds like the Hebrew words for forget and fruitful, because he says, God has made me forget all of the hardships I've experienced, and he has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. He is putting his suffering into context. The, the bigger context of what God is doing in and through his suffering and who God is as faithful and true. Like God, Joseph knows that God can restore the years that seem lost. That God can redeem what seems broken beyond repair. That, that God can bring good out of darkness. That God can make a way where there is no way that God can do this. That this is what he can do. Now, how do, how do we do that? How do we suffer well like Joseph and trust God in our suffering, even when it seems like there's no end date inside? Well, we don't do it by looking to Joseph, but by looking to the one to whom Joseph points. Uh, maybe you notice as we read through this story a bunch of similarities with another one. Think about this, like Joseph is in this prison, suffering, being condemned as a criminal and suffering unjustly, even though he's completely innocent. And he is put in the middle of two criminals uh, who were suffering justly, who had sinned against their master. And one of these criminals is forgiven and restored while the other is condemned. What does that sound like? It sounds like Jesus on the cross in between two thieves being condemned as a criminal even though he had no sin of his own. Like those two men were suffering justly, Jesus wasn't. And one of those men is condemned, but yet the other one is forgiven and restored and brought into paradise with Jesus because he asked Jesus to remember him. Because unlike the cupbearer did here with Joseph, Jesus did not forget this sinner. He brought him with him into paradise. And Jesus died, and he descended to the dead, to the pit, the tomb, the place of the dead. But just like Joseph, who was forgotten by the cupbearer, but was not forgotten by God, God the Father did not forget Jesus. He raised him up from the dead, and he seated him at his right hand as the rightful ruler of the universe. And because God has raised Jesus from the dead and has sat him at his right hand as the rightful ruler of the universe, here's what we can know. We can know that when we cry out to Jesus, Jesus, remember me, that he will never forget us. I mean, think about the thief on the cross who first makes this cry of remember me to Jesus. That thief had done nothing but sin his entire life. He was being crucified for starting a riot and an insurrection in Rome. And on top of that, he was going to die in a few minutes after he makes this cry to Jesus, which means that he was never going to do anything useful for Jesus either. He was never going to read his Bible. He was never going to go to church. He was never going to give his money. He was never going to go on a mission trip. He was never going to serve on a service team or be in a community group, but yet Jesus saves him and brings him with him into his kingdom. 
He had nothing he could do to earn it, nothing he had done to deserve it, but Jesus remembers him and saves him for an eternity, brings him into his kingdom. Like This is how gracious Jesus is, and this is how secure we can be in knowing that Jesus will never forget us. And because God the Father did not forget Jesus in the grave, and, but raised him up from the dead, we can be absolutely secure that he's going to do the same for us, that he will not forget us because we are in Jesus. Listen to the words of Romans 8, 32. It says, He who did not spare his own son for us, but gave him up for, for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It's God who justifies. Who's to condemn? Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Paul goes on to say, nothing can, nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And because this is true, Because we know this, we have even more reason to trust God in our suffering than Joseph did. We have even more reason to endure. This is where we go to find the strength to endure. Look, because of the cross and the resurrection of Jesus, we can know that whatever our suffering means, it cannot mean that God does not love us. It cannot mean that God has forgotten about us. It cannot mean that God has changed his mind about us. And so when the suffering does not quit, this is where you go. Go to Jesus. Hebrews 4.15 tells us that Jesus has become like we are, human like we are in every way except without sin. He has walked through dark nights of the soul and suffering worse than anything that Joseph or you or I have ever faced. Listen, he knows. He knows. He's been through it. He can sympathize with you. And when you go through the pain and the suffering and the darkness, he will be with you in the pain, with you in the suffering, with you in the darkness. But it's not just that. Just like God does here for Joseph, God can actually, he's powerful enough to use our suffering uh, for good purposes, both to produce character in us and to give us the resources to be able to comfort others who are suffering. Listen to the words of Romans chapter 5. Paul says, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Look, if we will cling to Jesus in our suffering, Jesus will produce a depth of character in us through our suffering that we just can't get any other way. But God was preparing and humbling Joseph to be the Savior of the known world at the time so that the world would not die out in a famine. But it was the years of suffering unjustly down in the pit that taught Joseph that, that taught him how to cling to God. Like the the depth of character that Joseph reached to be able to serve others and to forgive his brothers when he's elevated to prominence, that character was forged down here in the pit. But it's not just that God can produce character in us through our suffering, 
He also gives us the resources to be able to comfort others. Listen to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Paul says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Look, when you have experienced loss, when you have asked God why, when you have cried tears and you have felt the comfort of God, then you're given the resources to be able to comfort others who are suffering with that same comfort from God that you have received. Now hear me, I'm not at all saying that the only reason you suffered or that you're walking through suffering is so that you can comfort others with it. Uh, it, That's not the case. Like We won't know all the reasons we suffer in this life, but what I am saying is that God is big enough to use your suffering as a vehicle and a resource to be able to comfort others through it. And, And so just like Joseph, we are freed up to look outward and not become insulated and bitter when we suffer. Because we know and have the love of Jesus, and we know that he will never leave us. He will never forsake us. He will never forget about us. We are freed up to just look to find ways to serve, ways to love, ways to bless, ways to care for, and put the love of Jesus on display towards others so that they might receive that love as well. Listen, we are resurrection people. We, we know that no matter how bad it gets for us here, that Sunday is always coming, that the pit won't get the last word in our lives, life with Jesus will. And so we're freed up to just continue to suffer well and entrust ourselves to God even when the suffering doesn't quit. Let me pray for us that we would. Jesus, thank you for this good news that even if we do find ourselves in the pit, that you went there before us, that you have suffered for our sins, the just for the unjust, that you could bring us back to God. And so thank you that we can know that our suffering does not mean that you have forgotten about us, that you have changed your mind about us, or that you have not saved us. So Jesus, I know there are so many men and women in this room walking through hurt and pain and suffering right now. Would you be a comfort to them? Would your presence be near and felt? Would they know that even if they are in the pit right now, that you are there with them? And Jesus, would you make us a people who, like Joseph, suffer well when suffering comes, even when the suffering doesn't have an end date in sight? Would you help us to just entrust ourselves to our faithful creator, to your hands? Jesus, help us to be a people who look outward and serve others and bless others and care for others, even when we are walking through hurt ourselves. God, do this in us and make us this sort of people. I pray that you would in your name. Amen.